You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. And one who sows discord among the brethren. God hates division. Now, why does he hate it? Because it's separation. It separates people. It separates us from one another. And Jesus died on the cross to end separation. He died on the cross to end it. Together, even in our diversity, we're united as one. God hates separation and division. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to end separation once and for all. So when Christians are divisive, it angers Him. In today's message, Pastor Holland reminds us that God's desire is for us believers to live in harmony and unity. This doesn't mean we'll never have arguments or disagreements, but what it should mean is that we can work them out in Christ. Our goal should be valuing and loving other Christians in order to lead non-believers to Christ. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Exodus chapter 12 as he begins his message, So Great is Salvation, part 5. The term Christ, when it says Jesus Christ, is Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it's Messiah. And so a messianic believer is simply someone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the promised Messiah, who came to bring salvation to the world. But it does point out a very important fact, and that is that there are laws of hermeneutics, that there are rules that we use to interpret the scriptures by. And in order to properly understand the Bible, to understand the Old Testament, also known as the Hebrew Scriptures, um, you need to know the authors. You need to know the language. You need to know the culture. You need to understand the times that the Scriptures were written in because it's not true unless it's in the right time. And so timing is everything in the Scriptures. And um, for instance, Hebrew is a pictorial language. Every letter paints a picture. Every letter is a picture, and so every picture paints a story, right? And pictures are rich in meaning. You know, you've heard it said that a a picture is worth a thousand words. And so every Hebrew letter has this these layers of meaning to it. Uh, And also, every Hebrew letter has a numerical value. And that numerical value carries meaning with it. And so when you combine the events of the Bible with these layers of meaning, it's only then that you're able to rightly divide the word of truth and understand what the scriptures are saying, what they're they're teaching, and how God reveals himself in scripture. And something you've heard me say often is that God is a God of revelation, And so as we're going through the scriptures from Genesis, every time he speaks, he's revealing something of himself. Every time he acts, he's revealing something of himself. So as we go through the scriptures from the beginning, we're getting an accurate picture of God. We're getting a biblical picture of God. And we're discovering that the teachings of the New Testament actually come from the Hebrew scriptures. Now, when Paul said to Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, the word of truth he was talking about were 
the scriptures, the law and the prophets, the Torah, uh, the Tanakh. And so these concepts that we believe didn't just appear in the New Testament. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we're continuing our series entitled, So Great a Salvation, and today we're going to talk about the church. We're going to talk about the church. Now, many people believe that the church is a New Testament concept, that the church was born on Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. That's what you'll hear many people say. But I want to suggest to you that the church is not a New Testament concept, but it is a biblical concept that is found in the book of Exodus. We see it in the book of Exodus. And we see this by how God refers to Israel, how God addresses Israel. We're going to look at the various terms uh, that were used in relation to Israel and unpack the meaning for us and apply it to how God sees the church today. And you're going to find out some very fascinating things, some things that you didn't know. How do I know that? Because I didn't know it. Until I started to study the scriptures, nobody ever told me these things. And so the first thing that God does when he saves Israel out of bondage to Egypt is he creates a special people, a unique people. In verse 1 of chapter 13, we read this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. And so the Lord says to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn. The firstborn represents the whole. Right? The firstborn represents the whole. The tenth represents the whole. It's a principle. By one man, sin came into the world. One man, Adam, represents the whole. By one man, you know, salvation has come to the world through Jesus Christ. One represents the whole. And so the firstborn represents the whole. And so this consecration represents the consecration of the entire nation. As they're consecrating the firstborn, they're consecrating the entire nation to the Lord. Now, in the Hebrew, the word consecration is kades, kades, and it means to set apart, to make holy, to declare holy. Holiness isn't purity of living, okay, from the biblical definition. Holiness simply means that it has been set apart for a special use. And so when you're in the temple, you have a holy fork, Why? Because it's set apart to be used only for the worship of God. You have holy knives. You have holy altars. You have everything that is declared only for the use of God is said to be holy. Guess what? You and I are set apart to be used by God. We're declared holy. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16 says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am. Am holy. Now, most people will read this and go, you know, God is holy, so you better be holy, right? And they kind of point their finger at you and they scold you for being a bad person. But that's not what Peter is saying. In order to understand this correctly, you need to see this in the light of the fact 
that man was created, set apart for fellowship with God. That's why you and I were created in the first place. For by his pleasure, all things are created. We were created for God. So when God says, be holy, for I am holy, this is not a command to become pure or perfect or sinless or else. That's not what God is saying. This is an invitation to relationship. God is inviting us into relationship with him. And what he's saying is this, I'm set apart for you. I want you to be set apart for me. I'm only for you. I want you to be only for me. Remember, God is a God of revelation. We must always ask ourselves, when God says something, what is he revealing about himself? What is he saying about himself when he says, be holy for I am holy? God has committed himself completely to you and I. And he wants you and I to be completely committed to him. That's what he desires. He doesn't want anything coming between us. He doesn't want anything to separate us. No separation. He wants exclusivity. And that's what it means to be holy. Remember, man's problem is separation. Man is separated from God. God never wanted that. God doesn't like that. He wants us to be set aside for him alone. In verse 2, God refers to, first term, the children of Israel. It's B'nai Israel. B'nai Israel. Ben is son. B'nai children. Many sons. And so the word B'nai is a family term. And it suggests that those in the family are descendants of one common ancestor. Now, in your family, how do you know your family? Because you came from a dad. All your brothers and sisters came from the same dad, right? That dad came from another dad. And I'm trying to put my family tree together. The problem with my family tree is that it's a bamboo tree. And bamboos are bushes. There's many different starts, you know, all over the place. So it's hard to track it all down. But Paul writing to the Ephesians said in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, that there's one body. There is one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And so when you are born again, when you are born again, you are born into one spiritual family under one God who is the Father of us all. We have one common ancestor. So you're not born into the Baptist family. You're not born into the Catholic family. You're not born into the Presbyterian family. You're not even born into the Calvary Chapel family. You're born into the family of God. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. 
When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse, and we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. Every single one of us, and we have the same Father, united by one Spirit serving one Lord. And this oneness that we share with believers all over the world is to be protected. It's to be cherished. Paul told the Ephesians to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace in Ephesians 4.3. That's why God hates division. He absolutely hates it. It's one of the seven things he says is an abomination. In Proverbs 6, uh, 16 through 19, he says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. God hates division. Now, why does he hate it? Because it's separation. It separates people. It separates us from one another. And Jesus died on the cross to end separation. He died on the cross to end it. Together, even in our diversity, we're united as one. So I don't have to become something, become like someone else in order to do what they do to win the city. I can do what God's called me to do, just like God is, you can do, excuse me, you can do what God has called you to do. Those who are truly born again, unify, not divide. Those who are truly born of the family of God, unify and not divide. As I've said before, God adds, God subtracts, God multiplies, but God never divides. He never divides. David tells us that there's a blessing in unity. In Psalm 133, he says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil upon the head. You know, that it gets rid of all the crusties on your head. Running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon uh, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For where the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. And so in unity, as we're operating in unity as one body, God commands a blessing. You want the church to be blessed? Start acting in unity. Be unified with one another. And God blesses that. And he brings life into that place. The second, uh, Paul, second thing in Exodus 13.3, Moses referred to the people as citizens. Second term. A citizen is a person who is recognized as being a legal member of a sovereign state or nation. It's a legal term. 
And so this entitles them to the rights and privileges and protection by the sovereign power that rules that nation within its territorial borders. Now, Paul referred to us as citizens of heaven. In Philippians 3, he says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not citizens of this world. We're citizens of another world. And as citizens of heaven, we're entitled to all the rights and privileges of members of the kingdom of God. It belongs to you. You know, the greatest privilege is that of knowing Jesus. Paul said it himself. He said, yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, from whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And for us as believers, that's our greatest desire, to know him, to know who he is. It's my lifelong pursuit. This is actually my life first, to know Jesus. It's why we study the word, that we can know him. But we also study the word so that we can know what belongs to us. There's so many people I see and, and counsel that accept the bad things that happen to them in the world as if this is just their lot in life, God is doing this to them. You know, God made them sick. God is taking them through this difficult thing because he's trying to teach them a lesson. And so they accept things that the Bible says you don't have to accept. They accept things that the Bible says you don't have to actually go through. That what you're calling the will of Allah, excuse me, will of God, because that's where it comes from, kismet, the will of Allah. It's all the will of God. I have no say in it. It's not from the Bible. But when you find out what the Bible says, you realize that sometimes it's not something God's doing to you. It's spiritual warfare that you need to fight against. But if you don't know that, you'll accept it. And so... It's important that you know the scriptures, to know the promises, know what God says belongs to you so that you won't accept what the enemy throws your ways as just, oh, this is just my lot in life. This is what I have to deal with. Third term, in Exodus 12, 3, Israel is referred to as the congregation of Israel. In Hebrew, it's Adat Israel, Adat Israel. And what's significant about this word adat is the root of adat is edah. And the word edah is translated witness, witness. And so the congregation of Israel is a, is a congregation of witnesses, of witnesses. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
You know, once you've experienced salvation, once you have seen the hand of God, once Jesus empowers you, you're a witness of God's saving power. You're now a firsthand witness. You're not just reading about it. You're not just hearing about it. You yourself are a witness of what God has done. And it's this knowledge of God that transforms us into being witnesses, that makes us witnesses. Now, it's interesting to note uh, that if you take this word congregation, adat, in the Hebrew and you translate it in the Septuagint, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the, of the Hebrew um, uh, scriptures. And so when you translate it from the Hebrew to the Greek, do you know what word you get? Synagogue. Synagogue. So you wonder where that word synagogue came from? It came from the congregation of Israel, the witnesses of Israel. They are witnesses of the power of God. Now, something to keep in mind also, when Paul was writing the New Testament and was quoting Scripture, where was he quoting it from? Most likely the Septuagint. He was quoting it from the Greek translation, which is why sometimes you read it and it's a little different because it translates a little differently when you go from Hebrew to Greek. And so most likely Paul was quoting out of the Septuagint. And so keep in mind also then, as he is bringing these concepts, these Hebrew concepts into Greek, he's trying to find words that match what those concepts are. And that's a very important thing for us to recognize because I'll give you one example. The word propitiation, which we've talked about many times. The word propitiation, when, when you take it at face value, it means that, you know, basically that the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. That all of the wrath for all of the sin of all, of all time was poured out on Jesus. And all the reformed people will just take that definition and run with it and make all kinds of doctrines off of that one concept. But, when you go to the Hebrew, what you find out is that word propitiation in the Hebrew is mercy seat. And it has to do with the Ark of the Covenant. And it has a completely new level of meaning that isn't covered in the Greek. It goes even deeper. And when you put the two together, then you get a complete picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross that he is our mercy seat. And that's why Paul says you can go to him to receive mercy because he is your mercy seat. It was above the mercy seat where the presence of God spoke to the people. You want to hear the voice of God, go to Jesus because he's your mercy seat. It's there that God will speak to you. There's so much more to it. So much more to it when you get down into the different layers. Fourth term in Exodus 12, 6, Israel is referred to as the assembly. The assembly. In Hebrew, it's kehal. And it conveys the idea of assembling together, gathering together for religious purposes. We're not just gathering just because we like each other, although we do like each other. You know, we're not gathering just to have fellowship, although we love to have fellowship. But we're gathering together for a purpose, and that purpose is to worship the Lord. Friends, thank you for listening to the program today. You know, the statistics on life are quite staggering. It's been said that one out of every one person is going to die. And on that day, are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready to meet God? 
Well, you can be ready. You can have that assurance that your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven by praying a simple prayer and mean it with all your heart to say, Lord Jesus, I want to be ready to meet you. I surrender my life to you. Forgive me for all my sins and wash me clean of all the wickedness I've done. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you've prayed that prayer with me right now, I can tell you with full assurance that you are going to be in heaven. Thanks for tuning in to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis. We pray today's teaching has been a blessing to you and drawn you closer to your Savior, Jesus Christ. It's possible that today you're hearing about Jesus for the first time. If that's the case, we're so glad you've joined us today. We want to tell you more about how He can change your life forever. Just visit our website, calvarysanclemente.org, and click on Good News under the Home tab. This will lay out exactly what God's plans were for salvation and how His Son Jesus fits into the picture. You'll also find step-by-step instructions to start this relationship that will make all the difference in your life. If you still have questions or you'd like to talk to someone in person, please don't hesitate to call us. You can reach us at 949-228-9117. Again, that number is 949-228-9117. Do you happen to live in the San Clemente area? If so, come join us this weekend for church. We have services every Sunday and Thursday where we'll dig into the Bible together and spend time getting to know one another in deeper and more meaningful ways. Visit calvarysanclemente.org for service times and directions. You can also be a part of our services virtually. We're streaming through YouTube and Facebook Live as well as on our website. Again, just go to calvarysanclemente.org to connect. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Holland next time for another edition of Worship Life Radio. Have you ever wondered what it means to be saved? What are you saved from? Is salvation only about going to heaven? Pastor Holland's message series, So Great a Salvation, will answer these questions and help you discover the rich, abundant life salvation brings. Order your personal copy of So Great a Salvation at worshipliferadio.com.